Facebook next on VIC. Noon to one, it's the place to be. Talking sports with the MVPs. That's Miller, Vicari, and Pizzanti. NFL, NBA, MLB. NHL, college sports, whatever you need. The MVP show where you need to be. Sports radio on VIC. That's MVP Sundays on VIC. That's MVP Sports Talk Radio VIC. Can never hit it every, every time. I think I think it'll become a trend. But you are listening to the MVP show. The song indicated that it has our names, but might as well reintroduce ourselves again. I'm John Vicari. Uh, I'm Brian Miller. And uh, last I checked, I was Dan Pizzanti. Yeah, and last I checked, the Syracuse Orange are no longer in the NCAA tournament. Oh, oh no! Oh, <laughs> oh my! Oh, hey, it, it was a good run. That's that's what you hear from everybody who you know has a losing team. I, I, it's one of my favorite oh, phrases. You know, no. this this past Giants season, eh, it was a good run. It wasn't what was supposed to happen for the Giants this year, playing in January, but it was a good run. And that's how people in Syracuse, New York, feel after falling to Houston last night, scoring only 46 points in basketball, Brennan. It is basketball, not football. Only scoring 46 points. You can only rely on a buddy for so long. Three for 13 from the field, one for nine from three. He led the team in scoring. Still, he always does. But this time it was only 12 and not 28 or 30 points. And Griffin and Dolage, my two favorite names on that team, <clears throat> only two points. And I have to get this in because I thought it was a missed opportunity on the broadcast last night. Dijon Giroux was Houston's star player and the guy who kept cramping up. He had nine points, eight rebounds, eight assists. So you're going to make a mustard joke. Nope, man. I'm going to say, send it in Giroux! Because oh. that's exactly what he did. That was the nail in the coffin, his dunk. Whatever. And... Look, I, you know, I like to make jokes off the beginning. Obviously, Brennan, a huge Syracuse fan, and, and watching him watch the game last night was really an event. We lived together, but I had not seen him watch a tournament game, at least with Syracuse in it. Both uh-huh. times we were in different places. I got to see it last night, and you were just anxious the whole time. Yes. And yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's what Syracuse does. Like two years ago, or whenever it was. Uh, a few years ago, they were being referred to as Cardiac Chiefs, which obviously, uh, you know, they like to bring games down to the last second. But this one really didn't even come down to the last second, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, the fact that really, while the game wasn't that close for the duration, like it was a 10-point game and for the for pretty much the whole thing, uh, Chiefs was never really in it. Like, they played just terribly. It was just bad. They weren't hitting their shots. They were forcing a lot of misses, and then... Uh, after those misses, giving up offensive boards, but, uh, you know, it, it just didn't work out the, the way that people were expecting it to. I, I, I don't think that, that Houston was ready for the two-point zone, and I think if, if Syracuse has anyone get hot, I mean, Buddy only had, what, 12 points, and then no one, and he was the leading scorer. Like, that's that's a problem. That's absolutely a problem. Um, I, I You just need one person to get hot. And, and you know, we're watching the show, Letter Kenny, and, and phrases. <laughs> Uh, when a buddy needs help, you help him. And there was no help for Buddy Bayheim. Like he was off in the first half. Houston played great defense to be able to lock him down and not get many open opportunities. Like it's not even that he was throwing up bad shots. It's just that he didn't have chances to get up good shots. Like he hit, I think, two threes when he had the opportunity. Uh, 
you know, there was Joe Girard deciding that he was going to be the one to take the lead and spinning and getting the ball to Buddy at, at certain points in the game. Um, it just, it, it was just, you have a hot hand, why not feed the hot hand? And even when that hot hand's cold, there has to be someone else who's open. Because if you're keying in on a specific player, that means you're paying less attention somewhere else. And Keith just wasn't able to recognize that. What do you think was the big blow for Syracuse? Do you think it was they were too shot-reliant or just poor rebounding? Because they lost in both categories last night. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just rebounding as a whole. I think they did pretty well on the glass, considering what it was like, uh, just off the top of my head, 39-32, 39-33 as far as rebounds go. It was offensive rebounds for Houston. I think that they just absolutely dominated after missing shots. They were consistently able to uh, to get the ball back and then kick it out and try and get more shots up. Um, like I said, like it, it had a lot to do with the fact that Buddy wasn't getting open looks. But at the same time, I think that when you're letting a team get as many offensive rebounds as Houston did, uh, it's, it makes it very, very difficult to win a game. Well, you know, and as far as Syracuse goes, can you really have a losing season when you have Jim Beheim donuts? I think that's the question that we all need to ask ourselves. No, um, no you can't. You can't. Everyone wins when that happens. Um, as far as the Orange last night, I mean, we all saw the game. They really struggled offensively. When your two leading scorers combined for 24 points, good things don't happen. But I think next year, though, um, you know, not to look too far ahead, but Joe Girard has had such an up-and-down year. I don't think he can be any more inconsistent. Like, next year, he either has to be uh, the player that the Orange recruit him to come here and be, or he's not going to be, and we're going to know that by next year. Um, but I don't really put it on him this year either in such a really, really weird and awkward year. Uh, I have a hard time just absolutely slamming him. So, you know, uh, he, he had a he had good moments and bad moments this year, but I don't know if, if we're going to look about at that the same way next year. And then, obviously, uh, if Buddy Beheim's back, He's got to be the guy, and uh, Syracuse has got to hopefully have those two that can put up a lot more uh, points, uh, really just from Gerard as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, a tough ending to the season, but uh, Sweet 16 is not, not bad, you know. We'll take that, Sweet 16 nor- uh, for, for Syracuse, considering the year that they had in the regular season. Well, yeah, I might be lying if I, if I didn't say that I had Houston advancing in the Sweet 16 <laughs> But, I mean, that just has, simply has to do with the fact that the Cougars are 28 and 3 and have been consistently ranked inside the top 10 all year. Like, obviously, it was going to be a difficult game, and obviously, Keith was one of the hottest teams coming in, uh, and one of the biggest Cinderella's, but, you know, I, I was hoping there was going to be a chance, but it was just, from the, from the jump, Houston came out and was just uh, in control of that game. Well, you and Dan touched on it, too, and this is the question I want to pose to both of you. Is it player development for next year's team, or does Syracuse got to go out in the transfer portal or recruiting and get something. Is there something missing on this team that you saw last night? Cuse made the Sweet 16 this year that we can establish. They have a single senior. Nearly the whole guy. the only senior in the starting five. And uh, with the way that Jesse Edwards played last night, uh, I think that that is an absolute good sign. He's 6'11". Uh, one of the biggest issues with, for Syracuse in the last few years is that in the zone, you have to have that big uh, center who can jump the passing lanes and be able to get in the face of people down low once they get the ball. Syracuse just hasn't had that. Uh, Dorje, while he is a good forward, maybe a, 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 not a stretch forward, but, you know, more of a four, uh, he's not a five. He's not a true center that can establish himself in the middle of the zone and, and be that defensive powerhouse. Uh, but I think if, if Jesse Edwards plays the same way that he played yesterday for the next three years, because he's a freshman, maybe even four, because everyone gets that extra COVID year, 
uh, depending on when he decides to take his extra, if, if he decides to take his extra year of eligibility, uh, that is solid. I know, uh, obviously, Girardi is a sophomore, and he's in there. Uh, Beheim is only a junior, so he's got one, maybe two years left. Uh, it, it's, it's, it is looking good for Syracuse as far as going forward. Um, I just don't. I just hope that this doesn't put too much pressure. Obviously, being a Sweet 16 team, uh, you expect them to be able to get back there if they have the same exact roster that you older. Yeah, and and the funny thing too, even after the regular season, and this is I think only a Syracuse thing, but say they have next season a similar regular season where they get in as like a, a ten or eleven seed. Yeah, the expectations again. Yeah, the expectations right. should still be Sweet 16 because that's what they do every year. Not that the regular season doesn't matter because you have to get in to the tournament via a great regular season, but if they make the tournament, expectations should be to match this year or higher, I would hope, I would think. Well, yeah. That's how you feel. You hope so, and yep. that, that being said, you hope that, uh, you know, Blaze can compete to make their buddy, buddy, buddy Buffett's donut. So, Do we want to touch have, on that, by the way? We have a lot of hope. The NCAA, yeah. The beautiful donuts that... Literally, a Glazer Confused, which is a local donut shop in the Syracuse area, decided, hey, we're going to make donuts, we're going to have Buddy Behar's face on it, and we're going to uh, sell them the morning of the game. Somebody ta- told uh, store owner Paul Valenti, hey, I want to check in on the N- with the NCAA about that. He's like, sure, okay, whatever, calls up the NCAA, and they're like, yeah, don't do that, please. And they had a pivot from Buddy Behar Donuts to Jim Behar Donuts, and... For what? It's not a Yeah. Uh, but, and, and the fact that the proceeds for the, the sales of these donuts are going to go to the Boys and Girls Club mm-hmm. uh, in Syracuse. And the NCAA was literally like, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's, a, he's a Syracuse player, so you are not going to be able to give any money to charity on our behalf. Thank you very much. No, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, we were watching yesterday, and, and the NCAA puts out that commercial where it's like, it's, it's all the players who don't go to, or all the Athletes, former athletes who don't go to play pro, and they, you know, they have jobs outside. And and John, I'm not going to throw you in the bus here, but you know, you sit up and you're like, wow, it's, it's like you'd watch this commercial and only this commercial. The NCAA never done anything wrong, and it's like, yeah, exactly, because that's that's the life they portray themselves in. But then you also see them, you know, shut down a donut shop for putting uh, a Syracuse player's face, a person who's grown up in Syracuse, went to a Syracuse, went to Bowlingville, or uh, yeah, Bal- whatever, wherever. Went to a Syracuse high school, plays at Syracuse, grew up in Syracuse, put his face on a donut, and the NCAA says, nah, you know what? You can't use him as a member of the Syracuse community. Not even as an athlete. As a member of the Syracuse community, you can't put his face on a donut and then give the proceeds away to charity. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's insane. It's Two weeks in a row of, yeah. of roasting the NCAA, and I am absolutely fine. Let's go. Let's keep it going. It's, it's just got to be a case-by-case basis thing. For yeah. Because there's the, obviously this happens, and it's shouldn't where player likeness, and they don't get paid, and this and that. It, it does happen. But you examine this case, and you view it differently. I don't know if you give it a whole green pass, or maybe you say, hey, maybe just don't call him the Buddy Bayhound Donut, call him this, like on technicality. But case-by-case basis, please. Like, that's, I think, how you should go about things, and it should be one you know, swooping rule that just, you know, I, I, I don't know. And I guess that's how they acted, and it, it makes no sense. It was just a story you scratch your head about. Not not as much as Syracuse's field goal percentage from last night, but definitely still something you scratch your head about. It's almost like they were like, you know, let's just have common sense not be a factor in any of our decisions. Like, let's just make a rule that we cannot donate to children. Um, Yeah, no, the NCAA hates children, apparently, and uh I'm okay with saying that on radio. 
Well, so yeah, and the best part, I, I don't know what the company and it's it's not connected with the NCAA, but there's like a defy logic thing and I don't I don't know if you've seen these ads yeah. and I was like, I wanna come up with a company called Defy Common Sense and it's like cool to not have common sense. Yeah. I think that's what we've uh, we've made regular and uh -huh. a normal thing of life. So defy common sense, that's my idea, no one steal it, please. Anything else we wanna to touch on with the uh, Syracuse Orange? I, as as we said in the beginning, as I joked. You have to. You feel bad right now, Brendan. I know you do. You felt bad yeah, last no, night, yeah, but right. you let a little time pass, and you're gonna feel okay about this. Right. It's and it happened like even this year where people were talking about like yeah, you know, three years ago Syracuse made the final or nothing. Whenever they made the final four, it's like yeah, and we were devastated after that loss too because we thought Syracuse might have a chance to win the Natty. Uh, and then you know just two years ago when Syracuse made the Sweet 16 again, we talked about that in positive light, and obviously. We're going to do the same thing about this because anytime that a team that was on the bubble can make the tournament, make the Sweet 16, it's something to talk about. Um, that and Syracuse consistently, like you said earlier, they'll just do this over and over and over again where they are like an 8, 9, 10 seed and then, you know, go on a run because they're going to make play offensive as the two three zone and that's the two seed for some reason. Uh, which Oregon State wins the zone as well, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's not, you know, the same as Syracuse zone, but, you know, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, you hope that it's it's remembered, and it will be remembered in a good light, but obviously it hurts not. It does, it does. And again, a, a great run that fell to Houston. And we'll talk a little more NCAA tournament as the show progresses. We'll give you our picks for the four games today that are in the East and the West region. But that's coming closer to our end time at 1 o'clock. Where we're going to go next after a quick break is looking at the NBA trade deadline. The winners, the losers, the teams that didn't do anything. We're going to break it down for you. Stay right where you are. You're listening to the MVP show on VIC Radio and watching on YouTube. Hey, besties. If you love VIC Radio as much as we do, you want to know what's going on in the studio, or you want to stay in the VIC loop, why not follow us on our Twitter at VIC Radio and our Instagram, which is also at VIC Radio. Keep listening to the best of what's next, your favorite indie music station. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community? IC Random Acts of Kindness Club meets every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. in the Business School, Room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative, and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Up next on VIC, noon to one, it's the place to be. Talking sports with the MVPs, that's Miller, Vicari, and Pizzanti. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, college sports, whatever you need. The MVP show where you need to be. Sports Radio on VIC, that's MVP, Sundays on VIC, that's MVP, Sports Talk Radio, VIC. MVP show back on VIC Radio Ithaca, as well as streaming live on YouTube. We just recapped Syracuse's loss in the Sweet 16. We're going to stick with a little basketball. We're going to go to the, the association. The trade deadline was this past Thursday. It was hectic, but not 
too eventful, I would say. Not a lot of big names moving around, but I think moves that will impact this postseason. Dan, take us through the trade deadline. Winners, losers. I mean, you know, the big storyline is Kyle Lowry, but I think there's a lot of other big moves that we can go over. So there were some some moves. You know, I think overall, whenever people are going to look back at the trade deadline, they might say the word, eh, because, you know, there, there weren't a ton of giant deals. But there were some things that could uh, shake up some things, especially in the Eastern Conference with Victor Oladipo heading to uh, the Miami Heat. You know, the Rockets have been terrible this year. At some at one point, they lost 20 straight games. Um, so it makes sense that they might want to get something for Oladipo, something that can help them in the future. They're going to get Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek to former Celtics from way, way, way back in the day, uh, and a first-round pick for that deal. Um, you know, when you lose 20 straight games, you really just got to change something. And uh, by sending Oladipo to Miami, I think that's what they're trying to do. Um, and in the short term, hopefully it turns things around in Houston a little bit. Um, another one of the moves that, you know, could bring some change. I don't know if any of these players are too impactful anymore. Uh, Rondo is going to the Clippers and the Clips are sending Lou Williams to the Hawks. And after this trade, I, I saw on Twitter that Lou Williams was considering retirement. <laughs> so that's kind of rough uh, when you get traded and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but uh, the deal will go through. He's going to stay in the NBA. And those are two older point guards. You know, Rondo's been around for forever at this point. And, um, uh, you know, Lou Williams, it feels like almost every year wins six man of the year. So, uh, you know, just going to shake up the roster a little bit uh, there uh, in the West and uh, the East, actually. Uh, and then the other big move that, that was uh, the other big name that was on the move uh, is Aaron Gordon heading to the Nuggets. You know, we see him in the dunk contest. Uh, he's always really good at that. Uh, he, he's just an impactful player. You know, he's an explosive uh, big man that uh, definitely helped the Nuggets, a team that I feel like is so close so often. Um, I, I don't know if Aaron Gordon's going to put them over the edge, but certainly will help the team. So uh, something that'll definitely help them. And then another storyline is how many names that didn't move. You know, Kyle Lowry is still uh, in Toronto. If you watched uh, ESPN's The Jump, um, Brian Windhorst was on there talking about how teams were submitting their final offers, really in a bidding war for Lowry. The Lakers wanted him. Um, I know that for a fact. Uh, a lot of teams were trying to get their hands on Kyle Lowry, and he is still a Toronto Raptor. So uh, Drake is smiling, and uh, I can smile about that. Lonzo Ball also not on the move. I saw his name a few times. But really, Lowry was the big name. Um, and then locally, you know, we can talk about the Knicks getting Terrence Ferguson because that's that, that's great for uh, for New York, I guess. But the Nets added LaMarcus Aldridge to complete their construction of the Death Star and, um, uh, you know, really put themselves on the path to the Eastern Conference Championship. You know, we can talk about how good the Sixers have been, but when the Nets get back Kevin Durant, I'm not sure if anyone will ever come close to them. Um, so, so those are some of the moves. And obviously, Andre Drummond got a buyout with the Cavs. Um, reported earlier today, I believe, he is really most likely uh, to sign with the Lakers. That, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, they're the front runner to get him. That deal should be done by Sunday. Uh, oh, so that's today. Um, if uh, Woj is right, I guess. So, you know, after a little bit of a rundown, we can talk locally, we can talk nationally. Are there any moves that you guys saw that you're really thinking uh, this is going to make a really big difference in the NBA? The Kyle Lowry not going anywhere for me because I looked at Kyle Lowry and, you know, if you watched last week's episode and, you know, get to know me in general, but big Kyle Lowry guy. He adds so much to a team. You know, he's not your prototypical NBA superstar, six foot, 196, plays a pass-first guard play, I would say. He's not someone who's going to just pull up from three, which is what most NBA point guards do now. He's definitely pass-first. More like Chris Paul than Steph Curry in that way. 
whether you want to call that exciting or not, that's up for discussion. But Lowry's been effective. He didn't go anywhere. He shot a peace sign to the cameras on the local Toronto Raptors broadcast the game before the trade deadline and then wasn't dealt. The Sixers still needed a guard and they went out and got George Hill. And this is no knock on George Hill because he's been really these last couple of years someone that a playoff team, a contender, adds just to add depth because he is a good ball handler, can knock down a three if you need it, and is a is a relatively good point guard and he's a veteran. He brings veteran leadership to some of these younger teams. But he's not Kyle Lowry. He's not. Bleacher Report said it best. No, Hill's not, not the altering, ride or die, swashbuckling, landscape alter Lowry is. Those are some great words. Wow. I I mean, are we are we swashbuckling? Yeah. Are, are we putting him up there with uh, LeBron by using all those terms? Like I don't know how you describe LeBron using just with those verbs, but that's how Bleacher Report looked at the Sixers getting George Hill over trying to make a deal for Kyle Lowry. So that's I think the big takeaway. It's it's not I, I wouldn't say great for the NBA. I think people still were really connected with the trade deadline and were you know, viewing it on Twitter and watching and listening to it. But the big move for me was Kyle Lowry not going anywhere, not even to the Sixers, because, you know, obviously they did get a Garden Hill, and I don't think that's a great or as good as an improvement that Lowry would have added. But even a team like the Lakers, you know, the Clippers went out and got Rajon Rondo, Dan. Who, yeah. You know, that's someone to add on the bench for the Clippers. Good guard, well, the Lakers adding Lowry would have helped. I mean, that, that's it's, it's sort of funny. The one weakness for the Lakers is at the point guard position as well. Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly, they really... Sh- uh, I think that if they could have made a move, they should have done it to, to definitely add Lowry. Um, but, you know, without him, I guess it still raises the question, who who's going to... Well, I don't know about who's going to come out of the West. I think that it's a lot of people believe it's going to be the Lakers and the Nets. Um, but do the Lakers have enough? I think at the end of the day, it's, it's still on everyone's mind now that they, they still are lacking that point guard. Well, Clippers are coming for him. The Nuggets, everyone overlooks the Nuggets, in my opinion. Adding Aaron Gordon was huge. And you also have the Jazz. I, I, pretty much not the Rockets. Uh, I just <laughs> want to throw that in there. Sure. But, you know, I, I think the West is wide open. I, I, th- I think for the first time in forever, and I think we sort of said this more last year Great as well. Team. But, yes, it is. But the NBA, it, it doesn't feel like, obviously, there's favorites. There's the Lakers and the Nets. But you could easily see the Bucks in the finals or the Sixers in the East. And in the West, as I mentioned, you could see the Clippers and the Nuggets. So I think it's it's still wide open. And there wasn't a move, Dan, overall, that I think made a team distance itself, unless we think that LaMarcus Aldridge to the Nets did that. I don't know how to perceive this. Because you look at this team that the Nets currently have, and you say you bring into the lens of 2016, right? You have KG, Kyrie, Harden, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, because he's awesome, and LaMarcus Aldridge, right? And I probably missed somebody, but I think I got all the, the big studs. That team is like Team USA in 2016. There's some people yeah. saying on Twitter, that team would beat most other countries in basketball if you just put the Nets versus, like, I don't know, Croatia or Slovenia or something like that. This Nets team is stacked. Is stacked, and the whole thing, and the you know, obviously you had the great starting lineup, but people were looking at, oh, is their bench deep enough? Do they have those role players? Aldridge and Griffin on your bench? I mean, come on! I know Blake Griffin's not the Griffin of old, and he's not dunking, and it was a whole big thing when he did dunk as a net, and it was the first time in two years. And I know Aldridge is on his last legs, but that that just adds. I, I, 
I, I perceive Brooklyn, and I think they were even a couple weeks ago, but they are the clear favorites now. They are. And, and we did mention the East is a little more open. I, I don't know, Dan, how you feel about this. Does this Aldridge move put the Nets into a different stratosphere? Distance themselves so much more from the Sixers and the Bucks. It's, it's tough because you don't know what Aldridge is. Yeah. And, you know, the big three in Brooklyn is not always healthy and doesn't play together. But does that move put them in a different level? Yeah, I think it definitely helps him a lot. I mean, if you look at some of his stats, I mean, this year he's averaging 13 uh, points per game. He really only takes one free throw a game. Um, and won three a game, so he doesn't really do a whole ton. But I, you know, he's 35 years old. I'm sure he has, still has a little bit of gas left in the tank. Um, he he helps. He helps a team that doesn't really need that much help anymore. You know, uh, as far as the bench concerns uh, with the Nets, I mean, sure, I'm sure that's a that's a valid concern. But you know, what Steve Nash has been doing is just just leave Harden on the floor for longer and <laughs> take out Kyrie. Then. Take him out and put Kyrie back in. And at some point, you're going to be putting Durant back in and leaving him out on the floor. So at, at, there's really no reason to not have one of maybe the best five, arguably, players in the league on the floor at any given time for Brooklyn. So, I mean, it, the bench is a concern, I, I'm sure. But, you know, with Kyrie out there, I, I don't really know how much of a concern it can be relative to other teams in the league. So uh, adding adding Aldridge certainly helps. Um but uh, I don't know. I think the Nets definitely win right there. And uh, I think the Knicks won as well. You think so? Because that, that's where I wanted to go next. You sort of read my mind there. Yeah. Because they lost Mitchell Robinson last night to a, I haven't written it down because his hand and his foot. It yeah. was a broken right foot because he fractured his hand. So literally two fractures. He's coming up. He came off a fractured right hand. Now has a fractured right foot. They lost him. They don't have another center for that. They did bring in Terrence Ferguson. They got, uh, they dealt Austin Rivers. So it was sort of a swap. And I guess if you look at it, Ferguson's younger, more of a ceiling. No knock at Rivers because he did have his moments as a Nick this season. But he's getting up there, believe it or not. He's, he's had a lot of years in this league, even though I can remember him, you know, at Duke. But the Knicks didn't make that splash move. They're not. This year is not their year. So you think overall a good trade deadline. Yeah, I didn't want them to give up too much. Yeah. And I don't think they did that. You know, it's fine. Obviously, Austin Rivers is on the move. Um, but they got Terrence Ferguson. And that's good. Just keep getting better is what the Knicks need to do. Um, and they can get better as a team. And then, you know, maybe their year, I don't know about next year either, but maybe down the road two years from now, three years from now, could be their year. Um, but th- that was my big concern. I don't want them to go out there and, and do something ridiculous, like start shopping Julius Randle. No, no, no. No, there's no need for that this year. When it's not their year, just keep getting better. And I, if I were a Knicks fan... I would definitely be happy with that. Just the fact that, that they still have this team and they're still moving forward with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's still moves that might be decided. Obviously, the trade deadline has passed, but that Aldridge move was after the deadline. There's also could be some free agent signings and players placed on waivers. So there's still things to be discussed. We mentioned Andre Drummond. I don't know if hypothetically, Dan, if Drummond does go to the Lakers, does that put them on lockstep with the Nets, or it's still not enough? Well, it, it brings him closer, you know, with, with Anthony Davis was injured for a while, and uh, for him to come in and be able to protect the rim would be big for the Lakers. Um, I think really with LA, they have to focus on LeBron and Anthony Davis being healthy, because if those two um, are not healthy, then they're going to have, uh, I mean, that's their team, really, those two. Th- those guys are two of the best players in the league. Um, so adding Drummond, I think, will take some of the weight off of Davis, and especially if he's injured, that's a good thing. Absolutely, and we just did a whole review of the trade deadline, and we go from review to preview. 
and we'll go from the NBA to the MLB. You're not going to want to miss this segment. Ren and I are going to break down the Yankees and the Mets. Dan's going to chime in too because Dan, I think, will be more invested in this Mets season than maybe he has in previous years. And for the first time... Not by your choice. <laughs> yeah, well, for the first time in a long time, both New York teams realistically could make the playoffs in the same year. It's, it's Obviously, I think that's how most people perceive going into last year, but obviously we saw how last year played out. But October baseball is the expectation for New York baseball. We'll discuss that after a quick break. You're listening to the MVP show on VIC Radio and watching on YouTube. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community? I see Random Acts of Kindness Club meets every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. in the Business School, Room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative, and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Hey besties, if you love VIC Radio as much as we do, you want to know what's going on in the studio, or you want to stay in the VIC loop, why not follow us on our Twitter at VIC Radio and our Instagram, which is also at VIC Radio. Keep listening to the best of what's next, your favorite indie music station. Up next on VIC, noon to one, it's the place to be. Talking sports with the MVPs, that's Miller, Vicari, and Pizzanti. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, college sports, whatever you need. The MVP show where you need to be. Sports radio on VIC, that's MVP. Sundays on VIC, that's MVP. Sports talk radio, VIC. A strong first half hour now going into the second half of our show. Thank you for watching and listening wherever you are consuming the MVP show. We just talked a lot of basketball in the first half hour, did some Syracuse, did some NBA trade deadline. And now, because this Thursday is opening day, we are going to preview the Woo! season for both the New York Yankees and the New York Mets. Excitement's in the air. It just is the way. This summer, and especially coming off last summer, this summer is going to be great if you are a New York sports fan. It just is. Even if you couple in the Knicks and Nets making playoff runs as well, and the offseason for the Giants and Jets and the draft, everything, it's shaping up to be a good spring and summer. For the Yankees, like every year, you could say, it's championship or bust. You look at this lineup, and they're not fully healthy anymore. <laughs> but they got Judge Stanton, brought back DJ LeMayu, which was, in my opinion, the most important signing re-signing, I should say, of the offseason for the Yankees. You have Voight on the IL with a partial tear in his meniscus. Not going to be here till May. I don't want to devalue Luke Voight, Brennan, but I think the Yankees could survive until that point, and then he just adds to a stellar lineup. I I don't think Luke Voight, it hurts, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a big loss, but it's not an earth-shattering loss just looking at the Yankee lineup as currently constituted. Yeah, I think uh, when you look at Luke Voigt, 
obviously, he is a great hitter. He's smashing the ball. Led the league in home runs last year, obviously, in a short year that has led an asterisk, but at the same time, you can still say he led the league uh, in home runs. In home runs. But then, defensively, uh, and yeah, I, I just wanted to confirm this because I think that, you know, it's obviously important. Last year, in the shortened season, worth minus four runs defensively, and then the year before that, minus 13 runs defensively. So, he's not a great defender at first base. Obviously, if you play Jay Bruce at first base, you're not going to be a great defender either. But, um, you know, all you're really doing is subbing out one big bat for another big bat, and I can deal with that. Absolutely. Especially when that bat is Jay Bruce, who is a uh, consistent major leaguer. He makes major league rosters every year. Um, he's an older guy, and he's a left-handed power bat, which, when was the last time that the Yankees had a left-handed power bat at Yankee Stadium? Because, right Rick here... <laughs> oh, boy. Good Lord. Oh, boy. Uh, Keep your point. He's obviously at Yankee Stadium. Uh, right field is 314 feet, which is one of the shortest right fields in the majors, save for maybe Fenway Park, obviously, the 10 feet corner. Um, but, you know... You, you love to have a guy who can smash the ball to right field, and I think that Jay Bruce is that guy. I think that there is uh, a distinct chance that we're going to see the same level of production from Jay Bruce that we would see from Luke Voigt up until this, up to that point in the season. Obviously, Voigt has more upside. He's younger, so when he comes back, he will take that spot away again. Uh, but you, you look at it and you think that J Bruce is going to have probably 30 games, right, with, with the injury to Voigt, and obviously a torn meniscus. We're going to take your time with that, so... Uh, three weeks so he can actually do baseball activities, and then after that, obviously, a little bit more time. Um, so, and I think that he puts up, you know, if he can get 30 RBIs and maybe eight home runs, nine home runs in 30 games, that's a very productive outing for any player, and I think that there's a distinct chance that, that Bruce is able to do that. Obviously, we had the debate about uh, whether or not Bruce is going to make the final roster, mm -hmm. and... Uh, I was personally partial to Derek Dietrich making the, the final roster just because I think that he's a guy that, you know, is good for the brand of baseball. Like, he, he, like I remember when he was on the Reds and the Reds did those cutoff uniforms, uh, he was one of the guys that was pumping in the, in, the, uh, in the dugout just to, you know, make his arms look jacked before the game. And, like, that was obviously good for optics and, and good social media content. And I think Dietrich's the guy that does that. He didn't make the team. He got cut. And, and Bruce is the guy that makes the team with a little more positional uh, – Valuability, but I, I think it'll be okay. I, I don't think the Yankees are, are in that big of a hole with the injuries as of yet. Yeah, and that was you go back a couple of episodes ago, and I I did I I don't want to say I slammed Jay Bruce to the Yankees, but I wasn't for it. But now, as you mentioned, the versatility, believe it or not, that he provides yeah. is now immensely more valuable because you lost Luke Voigt, where Derek Dietrich doesn't have that, even though he's versatile in the outfield. I believe it could right. you know he he's not. Whole held at one position in the outfield. I think he could move around. Not to the same effect, you know, obviously, but he could move around. Jay Bruce could play a little first, you know? So that's something looking at the Yankees. The big thing is, and this is what probably people are screaming right now, guys, we know they could hit. We know they got power. It's the pitching. Yep. It's the pitching in the postseason that's killed the Yankees. I understand. And I think the Yankees addressed that. You got Cole Montgomery and Herman coming back. You have a bullpen that is retooled, in my opinion. I wouldn't say it's the best in baseball, but it's up there. And you bring in Corey Kluber. You bring who I'm going to mess up all year, Jameson Tayon. 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 
that I'm gonna mess it up every. I have to nail that. <laughs> it's gonna be you. You're that, not a exactly. name guy, John. So. No, I'm not really. I'm not a big. I'm not a big. Uh, not a big names guy with that many uh, I's and L's next to each other. <laughs> but two huge signings, and I know detractors will look at the fact that hey, look look at last year for Kluber. He did nothing. Look at last year for some of these guys that the Yankees brought in. But the upside is there, and when they're on, which are what the Yankees are hoping for, they're great postseason pitchers and pitchers that are going to give you a lot of innings this year, which the Yankees need. It's going to be a different season than last. It's going to be a, a proposed a normal season, not normal in you know outside, outside factors, but normal in terms of the schedule layout and when the season's beginning and when the season's supposed to end. So you need a strong five, and the Yankees have that. Now, do I like losing Tanaka? No. Do I think this is injured, by the way? Yes, he is. Or, and, yeah. or not poor, but strained his calf. I might mic is absolutely off. He is okay. injured. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's injured in Japan. Uh, strained his calf, so he's going to be out for a little while. Uh, obviously, he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, so he's... He's, he's not on the team this year, but I still think, I don't know if you agree, Brian, I think you can never have enough pitching. They always say that in the bullpen in the postseason. But I feel, I don't want to say confident, but I feel good going through the season if you're a Yankee fan with the pitching staff. Yeah, the Yankees have already declared who they're, the starters for their first six games of the league. So it'll be, this is according to Brian Hotch, 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 O-C-H, I don't know. Uh, it, I'm sorry, it's it's because he has it in his bio, it's Coke, but without the C, so it's gotcha. Brian Hotch. Gotcha. Okay, so first six games for the Yankees will be Garrett Cole, opening day starter. Yep. Corey Kluber, Domingo Herman, Jordan Montgomery. Love that first four for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Garrett Cole again for the fifth game, and then Jamison Tyone and Daniel wow. Vasquez. So I assume in the first game Cole will have probably a short leash uh, mm-hmm. and not throw a ton of games. I don't know what the schedule looks like as far as what days uh, they play. There might be a rest day in between those first four games and the fifth game. Uh, but one thing that I love looking at this list is the fact that the Yankees are going to get as much value out of Garrett Cole as possible. They're going to put him on the mound as many times and say, hey, we're going to rely on you to win us some games. So you're going to be out there. You're going to be pitching away. Uh, he had obviously a great year last year um, in what was a shortened season. But I think that they're going to be expecting the same exact thing. And and the more times that you can put a guy who ESPN calls the number six player in the major leagues, uh, above his other New York pitcher counterpart by one position. Who we're about to uh, get into. Yeah. I know. That, son, oh, segue. Sorry. Sorry. So good at radio. You know, they put him one spot above that other guy in New York. Uh, the, as many times as you can get him on the mound, get him on the mound. Absolutely. And the, the, the rest that you're looking for is the one right after opening day because they always give you that little respite just in case there's an opening day rain out like there is today for uh, if you're in New York and that's how uh, the no Yankees will... Here, yeah. What's up? Yeah. You have no way to go baseball. No, no way to go baseball. Doubleheader canceled. That was supposed to be on this air, by the way, VIC. It will not be, so regularly scheduled uh, music. But in terms of the Yankees, again, as I mentioned at the top, championship or bust. Now you go to the other team in New York, and it's new owner, new expectations. Not that the expectations for the Mets haven't been championship. I think every year, most teams in Major League Baseball, they want to end the season holding the trophy. But for the Mets, it's a lot more realistic because you have someone who's willing to spend and did spend this offseason. Francisco Lindor, a franchise 
just a franchise, pretty much. You bring in for the Mets. A shortstop who, by all accounts so far, loves playing in New York, recently said to the media that he wants to make New York a Mets town. And that's exactly what you want to hear as a Mets fan. We, we like to talk about this, Brennan, but the players that last year for the Mets did not really have a great season in this shortened season, mind you, but had great 2019 campaigns, Michael Conforto, Pete Alonso, they're got to take a next step this year. A lot of people, and not even a lot of people, the Mets want to make the playoffs and, and in the tough NL East, those two guys have to take the next step, have to have great seasons. They have the potential to, but judging off last year, it's not a sure thing. Now again, shortened shortened season, but everyone knew that go not knew that going in. But once the schedule was finalized, you had to turn it on a little sooner. They never got into that next year. They're gonna have to this season, and if they do, it means good things for the Mets offense. Usually, when you look at the Mets, you look at pitching, and it's a pretty much a foregone conclusion that they are stellar. And it's again this year. You got the ground, you got Stroman back, and Carlos Carrasco is a very underrated signing. I know right now he's injured, but he is a good signing overall. So Carlos Carrasco, a, a great pitcher to bring in. And then Walker as well. And I'm not going to – the team names are what confused me. Tyjon Walker, is that Tyjon? Tyjon Walker. Yeah, see, I can't do the T's and the L's. That's my problem. You can't pronounce Yankee beat writers. I can't pronounce pitchers uh-huh. in New York. So that, that, that's the flaws <laughs> that you should know going into the show we have. But you look at the Mets starting pitching, overall, great as it always is. The question I want to pose to you, Brennan, and Dan, you jump in it as well because I know you're more uh, involved with the Mets as well going into the season. Is this bullpen still a concern? Because I see them bringing in Trevor May, and we talked about on the show. They still have former New York Yankee Dylan Batances. But this bullpen with Diaz being your closer still should concern Mets fans, in my opinion. Yeah, and I don't think you can really count Dylan Batances as a strength at this point. Wow. Because, well, I mean, think about it. What was Dylan Batances known for as a Yankee? Throwing the ball, you know. 102 miles per hour. Uh, in spring training this year, he was throwing the ball 92 miles per hour. Like he just does not have the same velocity that he had before. So I think when you when you look at um, you know, who they have in the pen, obviously you love the Trevor May signing. Like that's a guy who is going to bring a ton of value in the pen, and uh, I think the Mets really need that. But other than that, it's just a lot of the same, and. Obviously, we know Mets fans, we live with Mets fans, and whenever the bullpen is called, whether it be Diaz, whether it be Gazelman, uh, whether it be Jerry Familia, the confidence is just not there, where you can go to your pen and say, these guys are good enough to get us through games where it's a one-run or a two-run game. And I think that that continues this year. Um, and like I said, Trevor May, incredible signing. Absolutely love that. But there's still question marks. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. You want to jump in with the Mets? You know, I think that the Mets, just there's been so many expectations around them for a few years now. Um, at some point, they, they got to get over that hill, you know? Uh, I think that this year, it could be the year where they, they do make the playoffs and maybe they make some noise. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say that anything that you guys are saying is wrong. Definitely not. Um, you, you know, I think that's a big concern. And the offense for the Mets, I know, was great last year. Um, that, that is the concern, would be the pitching. Um, so, you know, I feel like well, let's see how it goes for, for New York. But uh, I don't know. I, I just I, I feel like eventually they got to get they, – they've been so 
close to being so close for a few years now. Um, at some point, they got to break through. And I think this year, uh, again, is another one of those opportunities for them. It is. And you look at both divisions, both the AL East and the NL East, there's some things to be concerned about. I think if you're a Yankee fan, everyone is writing off the Rays because you just look at their roster and it's not as good as the one that made the World Series last year. But I still think they are a threat. The Blue Jays are getting stronger. Orioles and Red Sox, you could sort of put you know, to the side right now. And then if you look at the NL East, <laughs> arguably every team could give the Mets trouble this year. The Phillies The have, Marlins made the playoffs last year. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Mar- you are going on a season, the Marlins are a playoff team. Obviously, we'll see how this plays over 162. <laughs> but the Marlins are a playoff team last year. Phillies have some young talent. The Braves should be a playoff team. And then you look at the Nationals, and they're below the Mets, but they're a team that always gives the Mets trouble. And as the season progresses, may, you know, be who the Mets are fighting to get into the playoffs. Of course, that's all, you know, to the wayside if the Mets could dominate the Braves in their season matchups. But it's going to be, I think, a fun 162 coming up. It's going to be a fun regular season. And as I mentioned at the top, and we pretty much all mentioned, if you're a New York baseball fan, this is the year for you. There's still going to be, you know, some COVID protocol, but there's going to be fans in the stadium, limited capacity, which will probably expand as we get later into the summer. And there'll be great baseball as we stand right now. Both teams have should have expectations to play in October. And, you know, unless there's dramatic injuries or just players not playing up to their level, that will be really the only deterrent for New York baseball. All right, we will go now into our MVP of the week. Bless you, Brian. You all right? Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just congested today. Really? Yeah. Probably should have said that, but yeah. <laughs> it's just in the nose. It's not, no, we're good. Just the nose. He cleared. He cleared. Yeah, yeah no, I got cleared. Clear. I got cleared. Yeah, we're good. We're chilling. We're good. <laughs> I'll, I'll make you soup when we get home. But oh, this, thank you. I won't. But uh, uh. <laughs> do, do you want to give us your MVP of the week? Yeah, I guess. It's yeah. just, you know, <laughs> held soup in front of my face for no reason. I guess threw it on the floor. Whatever. It's like now I feel bad. Carrot in a stick. But, yeah. You know, soup. I don't even want to tie that to the Indian stick. Uh, yeah. Oh. My MVP was actually going to be uh, Blake Griffin for dunking for the first time in two oh. years. Uh, yeah. You mentioned it earlier, but I think that that's an absolute hysterical uh, chain of events where he goes to the Pistons doesn't dunk for two years like this is a guy that's known for dunking wins the dunk contest year after year jumps over a kia uh but then doesn't dunk for two years and then his first points as a brooklyn net are him driving the lane and dunking and that is absolutely hilarious to me i don't know if it was like if he was just deciding to climb on on the pistons and not dunk he didn't really really didn't want to be there because obviously you know the guy who knows for dunking is going to dunk uh but I, I just think that's absolutely hilarious. Another one I wanted to mention is that uh, today at Bristol Motor Speedway, NASCAR is racing on dirt for the first time since 1970. Since 1970. Uh, <laughs> since 1970. Yeah, so it's going to be absolutely awesome. Um, and as a famous race car, the Hudson Hornet once said, if you turn hard enough right, you'll go left. And that is exactly what NASCAR is going to do today. Oh, go right to go left. No. Exactly. That's, that's my that's my Lightning McQueen impression. I'm glad I'm glad we got Hudson Horn and Lightning McQueen into the program. I'll go next to my MVP of the week. It's probably what people write off as, oh, you're a nerd or whatever. But it's two broadcasting related notes. First is that Dick Stockton retired. He's probably a name that if 
your our age you don't know just because he had a smaller role. You're right, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had a smaller role with Fox with the NFL, but he's been doing games with Mark Schlereth for the last couple of years and is a broadcast legend. If you grew up in the 1980s and were a big basketball fan, the guy calling the Magic versus Larry Bird games was Dick Stockton for CBS. He was a part of their coverage. And then these later years, did a lot for Fox, was their NFL broadcaster. Pretty much at the time, it was between him and Joe Buck, who was going to be following Pat Summerall in the number one chair. But Dick Stockton is a legend. He decided that it was time to retire after finishing his season, his NFL season with Fox. He's 78 years old. He, I believe, he, yeah, he went to Syracuse, so he's a, he was born in Pennsylvania, the Syracuse alum, and he's a legend that I'm surprised Brennan, you didn't know, and a couple other people that I talked to this week when I mentioned, oh, wow, Dick Stock retired, didn't know, so I want to give him the credit because he's a broadcasting legend, and also, my MVP last week was Yes Network putting the Michael K show on the air for two innings. Well, that game happened on Wednesday, and it was not two innings, but three innings, Donald Greco got the call, so play-by-play for the Yankees, a Mets fan, by the way. And <laughs> Peter Rosenberg was also there, and when they first went on air, Peter Rosenberg had AirPods, and he didn't put on his headset, and he literally works in radio <laughs> and didn't register that he had to put the headset on. Apparently, there was miscommunication between him and the truck that he could just talk through the AirPods. So the ES Network literally had footage of him thinking that the AirPods <coughs> mic could transfer and be played over the S network, which is hilarious. With literally the headset sitting to his side. Thought that was hilarious. And it was a great experiment. I was watching instead of, you know, focusing in class. And for a regular spring training game, it gave you a little flair. It gave you something to watch. A game that I probably just would have looked at the box score afterwards, saw what Gardner did, and then never revisited it. So that, I think, a really successful experiment. Two broadcasting notes, both my MVP of the week. So, third place this week for my MVP goes to people. Oh, we well, people who we stand in line for Jim Beheim donuts. That's ridiculous and hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it's really, it's really funny. Um, number two are Blazers fans who want to retire Norman Powell's jersey after one game. He scored 22 points in his debut, and suddenly <laughs> there are a number of fans on Twitter who think he should be retired. Um, his most points in Blazers, the most points in the debut of a play, Blazers player in the history of the franchise, for whatever that means. Um, Excuse me, and I'm a, my MVP this week are people on Twitter who are giving suggestions as to how to fix the um, uh, the, the Suez Canal, yes. the yeah. boat that's there. <laughs> so in case you don't know, this is costing the global economy $10 billion uh, a day. And there are people <laughs> with some incredible suggestions as how to fix it. I saw, The funniest one was um, someone suggested you tie a rope to both ends and tie one to a Chevy and one to a Ford <laughs> and drive in opposite directions. I don't know what's wrong with people. I mean, obviously, this is not helpful at all, and it's only for entertainment. Um, but this is a serious problem. The internet is not taking it seriously, and that's why it's my MVP of the week, for sure. Mine no was, uh, Mine was, uh, it, was a, it was a meme of two people, like, laying in, like, a husband and wife, like, laying in bed, and they're facing away from one another, and so the wife is thinking, he's probably thinking about other women, and mm-hmm. he's sitting there, and his, in his mind, it's, the boat doesn't look that stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, it's amazing that Twitter didn't give, you know, that our, our government agencies aren't looking at Twitter for the solutions on how to solve this. I'm very surprised. But, yeah, I, some strong MVP. If you can't trust the 2021 Motor Trend Truck of the Year, then who can you trust? <laughs> then how are we going to fix this? <laughs> Ever. We need Chevy Silverado. J.D. Powell said it could J- do Exactly. That. 
man. <laughs> so, man, just go to just go to my Twitter and search the Suez Canal. Like right now, I'm seeing oh, a guy God. on Photoshop literally just rotating the boat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he, he figured it out. You know, we need more people like this uh, fixing fixing things uh, in the world. So, I'm uh, yeah. No, I, I like the truck one though. I think that's a good idea. Get your truck. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh man, what, what a show! When we come back, we'll give you our picks for today's NCAA tournament games. You got four, two in the East region, two in the West region, and determine the last four teams that are going to make the Elite Eight, and we'll give you our picks for that. We were pretty good last week. I don't know if we will be good this week, but stick around for our picks. You're listening to the MVP show on VIC Radio and watching on YouTube. Hey besties, if you love VIC Radio as much as we do, you want to know what's going on in the studio, or you want to stay in the VIC loop, why not follow us on our Twitter at VIC Radio and our Instagram, which is also at VIC Radio. Keep listening to the best of what's next, your favorite indie music station. Up next on VIC, noon to one, it's the place to be. Talking sports with the MVPs, that's Miller, Vicari, and Pizzanti. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, college sports, whatever you need. The MVP show where you need to be. Sports radio on VIC, that's MVP. Sundays on VIC, that's MVP. Sports talk radio, VIC. MVP show back on the air, final six minutes for you it's been a great program thanks for listening on vic radio or watching on youtube you can follow us on twitter at the mvp show for more content from us as well as on tiktok yes and mvp show on tiktok as well for expanding the brand man. yeah absolutely absolutely it's, it's a new wave of social media and we're there and so is our content so now we'll pick the four games that are left in the sweet 16 and the winners will move on to the Elite Eight. You have a lot of good games today, I think. You have the remaining Big East team in this tournament. You have the number one, uh, two number one seeds, I should say, playing as well. A strong slate of games. I'm hoping for a buzzer beater, just overall. I don't know which game we're going to get that. But the tournament started off with a bang with Virginia Tech and Florida and a buzzer beater. And then since then, there hasn't been a buzzer beater to win a game. There's been, there's been close games. There's been games where you're on the edge of your seat. Not late last night, but there were games that you were on the edge of your seat. And so Goodness. Absolutely not a <laughs> And I'm hoping we get that for today. Creighton versus Gonzaga is up first. Yeah, that's uh, five versus one. Gonzaga is the favorite by 13 points. So one of the biggest spreads that we've seen in a long time uh, in a Sweet 16 game. Uh, the old runner is 159. Which is huge for a college basketball game. Um, so I expect a ton of points from both these sides. Uh, personally, I think that Gonzaga is just really good. They are. They have proven that they are the best team in college basketball this year. I have them winning the entire tournament. That being said, uh, I have to pick them to win this game, and I am. So I have Gonzaga. Everyone else has Gonzaga as well. So no confidence uh, in, in your Big East counterpart there, John. No, no. I, I, Zigarowski hasn't lit up. This tournament, he hasn't had great offensive performances. Creighton's just pretty much skating by in both of the prior matches they had. They don't have the talent to compete with Gonzaga, unfortunately. All right, well, so John is not backing up the Big East, but I will back up the ACC. 
here in their next pick. That's Florida State and Michigan. The other one seed playing today is the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan favored by two points, the over under 143. Uh, both of these teams have been very good in this tournament so far. Obviously, Michigan is the number one seed. They have been very good. Uh, at one point, they were the consensus number three pick in the country, which I think is hilarious uh, because that, that, that hasn't happened in years where every single writer in the poll voted for Michigan to be just behind Gonzaga and Baylor. Uh, but I have Florida State winning this game. I think that they are a very good team. Uh, that night, I like to back the ACC, uh, especially because they just haven't had a lot of luck in this tournament at all. So I will go with Florida State, but you guys disagree. Yeah, Dan, you want to jump in? I, I don't really have X's and O's. I just Michigan has had easy sailing thus far. Yeah, Michigan, um, again, they've had a really good year, so that's why I picked them. But, you know, I did probably stare at this game for a good 10 to 15 seconds longer than I normally do. <laughs> and um, uh, I was considering taking Florida State just because, again, they've had a really good year as well. Um, so if Florida State win this game, I really won't be shocked. Um, but as far as my prediction goes, I, I have the Wolverines. So let's keep going on. Uh, the next game that we are going to pick today is the number 11 UCLA Bruins taking on the number two Alabama Crimson Tide. And if you looked at my bracket, you would see that I have Alabama in the final four. Now, I also had Illinois and Iowa, so what do I know? But I really need them to be there so I can at least get one right. Um, so I'm going to take the Crimson Tide uh, to win today. They've had a great year. That game against LSU and the SEC Championship was wild. Um, so, uh, again, I'm going to take Alabama. John has UCLA. Brennan has Alabama. A football school, uh, beating a basketball school, two of us have so far today. Yeah, I, I again, not much X's and O's with UCLA that I can give you. I just, they dominated Abilene Christian when I thought that Abilene Christian really, not that, oh my God, but like I thought they were going to be like Oral Roberts where they would have gotten to this point, and they didn't. UCLA just handled them. It, it, was, it was over pretty much before it began for UCLA, and or for Abilene Christian, I should say, and UCLA dominated. That's why they're my pick. Finally, the last game, USC versus Oregon. I think USC has been the biggest surprise that wasn't really a surprise if you follow college basketball, but they were a sixth seed. And the Oregon Ducks, they didn't get to play VCU. I'm still under the impression that VCU didn't have to, you know, pretty much forfeit the game because of COVID that they would have beaten Oregon head-to-head. -head. Instead, Oregon got to advance it around the 32, took care of business there. And now we're in the Sweet 16. USC's minus two, the over under 138 in this one. We have the Trojans across the board. Mobley is a stud. He's going to be on a lot of NBA draft boards. So you're going to remember that name. And I think he's going to make an impact tonight. It's going to be close because that's, you know, minus two. I'm guessing it's going to be. We have the USC Trojans. And of course, in terms of the games, two are in the East region, two are in the West region. And the West region is the first and last. And then, or no, I don't think it is. Hinkle Fieldhouse, I'm sorry, is the first and last. And the Baker's Fieldhouse are the two middle games in terms of location. That's why I labeled them with the blue and yellow, by the way. Blue. Oh, okay. Butler, blue, yellow for the Pacers. <laughs> Probably should have told you that before our show started. But, hmm. yeah, that, that's that's how it's going. So No, I know, obviously, that was clearly obvious. Oh, of course, yeah, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So I like to color code things as well. <laughs> but that'll do it for the MVP show. I think a great episode overall thanks for listening on vic radio and watching on youtube for dan bizanti and brendan miller i'm john vicari follow the herd is next